Welcome to The Girls' Room. I'm your host, Marissa Quintalmo. The Girls' Room is a safe space where we talk about all things uncomfortable, challenging, and oftentimes gross that come along with womanhood. Tune in every week for a new glamorous episode. Welcome back to The Girls' Room. All month long, we're talking about our health. We're getting deep and personal talking about conditions and body parts one might feel nervous to talk about or just not know how to start a conversation on. Today, we are joined by the founder of Healing to Happy, Laura Martin, to talk about something you do, I do, we all do, and that's poop. But specifically, we're going to talk about IBS. So welcome, Laura. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you. Can you introduce yourself to the girls' room? Yes. So my name is Laura Patricia Martin. I am the creator and founder of Healing to Happy, which is an IBS anxiety brand. Um, I realized when I was going through this whole journey that there's not many, I mean, it's starting to be kind of, you know, more empowering, but at the time it was not. And it was also very like jokey or very medically. And so you miss this like luxury thing because when it comes to you know, things we need, we don't like to buy them. Like we hate paying health insurance and we hate paying for our cars and we hate paying for things like that, but we love buying flowers and, you know, a nice pair of new jeans and things like that. So really I wanted to create that experience for my clients around sisterhood, embodiment, kind of really breaking this negative stigma around mental health and IBS. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That is like the most spot on thing ever. It's like, I think about that all the time. Like for so long I was putting off therapy because I'm like, oh, it costs money. But then like, I pay like the same price for like my Hulu subscription every month. (laughs) Like when you put it like that into perspective, like it just really makes so much sense. So amazing. I love it. (laughs) So can you give us your backstory and what made you start this business? Yeah. So at 24 years old, I was at a very rock bottom moment, contemplating suicide, sorry, triggering for anyone, Um, just was in a very abusive relationship. I had lost my mom at 22 and I didn't make the right choices after that. Um, And I found myself in Asia, very confused, trying to find myself, but really just self-sabotaging. And I was sitting on this balcony and at those moments in time, you have two choices right? You either choose one route, which doesn't turn out so well, or you choose another one that involves a lot of radical responsibility and looking at your shadow and being like, okay, we're ready for this. And so I chose that. And a few days after that, I sat down with one of my friends and she, and I was like, what am I doing? Like I was living in Bangkok at the time. And I'm like, what am I, like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing? Um, I was teaching English. I didn't like it. Not that it was bad. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm not a teacher in that way. And then she was like, well, you have a really disordered relationship with food. How would you go back and learn about nutrition? And so I was resistant because again, don't want to look at our shadows. We just don't like that. Um, But I had done the same thing when I was in university, when I was studying psychology, I was like, well, if this is my brain, I need to learn about it. And she knew that. So I went on to study it and I was learning all these theories and things that I could apply to my own health. Because at the time I was 40 pounds underweight. I hadn't had a cycle at that point in three years. I had IBS, like no one's been, like I would only go like once a week, maybe. Um, I had zero control over my emotional responses to anything. Um, constantly being triggered, constantly stuck in fight or flight, just this whole thing. And then finally like skin rashes that broke out like everywhere, all over my face, all this kind of stuff. Um, and so I was in school and we're like learning all these theories. And obviously I became obsessed and applying them to myself in a very unhealthy way because I'd yet to heal my relationship to food or my eating disorder or anything. So I used quote unquote, like low FODMAP and elimination diets and keto and all this kind of stuff and fasting. Like, excuse me, that is just your eating disorder like with a different name. And so I was like, oh, it's healthy, whatever. 
And still I wasn't feeling well. So I went and I got specialized in the microbiome and the gut and all this kind of stuff. Still nothing worked. Like, of course, because I wasn't actually addressing the root cause, which was my relationship to food and my nervous system and the fight or flight that I was stuck in. I was very focused on food being the only problem. And it wasn't until I sat in my naturopath's office and she was like, Laura, you've tried everything. Did you ever think about how your depression is linked to all your health issues? And I was like, mm, no. And she's like, do you want to talk about it? And I'm like, mm, no. <laughs> and I went home and I did a candida cleanse and I continued on this journey of like thinking food was the issue. And I finally just hit that rock bottom moment, which is, you know, it's one of those things that you think you can hide things. And then like I had rashes all over my body, but no one could see them. So it was fine. You know, it wasn't until it spread to my face that I was like, damn it, vanity you win. Like I had to go take it seriously. And so I really dove head and heart first into this whole gut brain connection and really studying it and testing and failing and implementing and really struggling because you have to rewire everything you know about food at this point, right? Like we're trained since we were little girls to fear food. We were never taught the science behind it or how our organs work or all this kind of stuff. Like even doctors aren't trained that, you know? So it was this whole journey of self-discovery in such a way that really led me to my femininity, led me to my, you know, personal power to really becoming my own parent, to really healing these trauma wounds at the same time healing my body. And people saw what I was doing. I don't know. And, and they were like, hi, can we pay you? And I was like, uh, I mean, yeah, like, sure. And then it kept going and I just kept sharing because I realized like I, I was in Asia, so it might've been different in America at this time, but like. I didn't know anyone that was like me, you know, I, they don't talk about mental health there. They don't talk about eating disorders. Like they like glorify the fact that like you're really tiny or like that you're really big. Like it's just this whole thing. And so no one was like me. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to start. And I started like documenting it on Instagram and I was like, whatever. And then all of a sudden I was being asked to like speak on panels and at these like platforms and in these universities and all this kind of thing. And it just literally, I like say now, like with healing to happy, I'm literally just a conduit of it. Like it just like it saved my life, right? So it's my personal responsibility to honor her and carry her through with the life lessons that I'm learning. And it just happens to be that it has to be with IBS and it also has to be with like anxiety and trauma and how it's all coming together. And from there, it's just gone on and helped hundreds of women. And it's like this beautiful little gift that just keeps going. <laughs> wow. What a beautiful and also powerful story. Like that's amazing from where you started to where you are now and what you are doing for other people is just like truly amazing because really these are hard topics to talk about sometimes. I feel like it's easier once someone else starts the conversation for you, like how you were the first person in the area that you're at to start talking about this mental health, IBS, depression, everything. And then that's when other people feel that they can join the conversation. So I think that it's really important that you are doing this and that you form this community because now here we are talking on a podcast about poop, about <laughs> depression, about all of this stuff. And I think that we need a lot more of that. So I applaud you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. It is one of those things like anyone else that is struggling. It's funny that it happens a lot more frequently now. They're like, wow, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing. And I was like, I honestly don't feel vulnerable in that. Like I just am talking about what's going on. It's so interesting because you see the impact. Other, like I can't tell you anyone that doesn't have digestive issues, right? Like we just don't talk about it other than, oh, I'm bloated today. But like, if you actually sit down with your girlfriends and you dive into it, everyone 
everyone I know like is like, oh my God, I'm bloated here and I'm on this diet here and I'm struggling here, but we never use the context of like, I'm struggling, please help me. It's like, I'm just gonna compound my emotion and complain about this, but really not actually do anything about it because it's not empowering or anything. And I don't wanna go on a diet. I don't wanna do this and da, 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 da. And we get wrapped in this emotion. And so it's this whole negative construct thing where you're like, it really doesn't have to be. Like it could really lead you home to yourself and actually open a conversation with your friends and the people around you if you allow it to be. Yeah, no, that's so right. Cause I feel like whenever I've had a conversation about this, cause I've been struggling with my gut forever. And like, it came to a point where I was like, I can't keep this a secret anymore. Like I'm shitting like 18 times a day. Like people are like, why are you always in the bathroom? So like, let's talk about it. But it was always just like all of my friends complaining about it together. And like, mm-hmm. we were just like, this sucks. And that was it. Like no one ever did anything about it. We never tried to like move forward. It was just, this sucks and we have to deal with it. But the fact of the matter is you don't just have to let it control your life anymore. Like you can heal from this the way that you have. So it's amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So before we get too deep into this, can you explain to us what is IBS? Sure. Um, So basically it's, we don't know what's wrong with you at the end of the day, (laughs) at the end of the day. Um, But it's IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. So irritable, something's upset, bowel in your colon syndrome chronically. Um, so it goes beyond just the standard, like I had Thanksgiving dinner and my, I'm a little bit bloated cause I overate. It's like you woke up, you smelled the color nine and you like all of a sudden are bloated. Like it's, it's these kind of things that we don't know. And it's chronically happening. It's been happening for the last three months minimum and you don't know. And so oftentimes you go to the doctor, you want to do your full check. And I'm sorry, you cannot check your food sensitivities by blood. We can get into that later because it's just a waste of time. But if you do a full stool sample or urine or you do like breath tests, depending on what you're testing, and it comes back and you have some parasites, you have some um, H. pylori, you have some overgrowth things, you got to deal with it. Like that's the thing. We got to test my guess when it comes to the gut. But oftentimes in my world, if people have done all this stuff, they're like, you're totally fine. And you have some irritation and like we keep going back to the doctor and ultimately they just go we don't know. Here's IBS. And then you, they tell, tell you to go on low FODMAP diet and this is the only way to manage it. And da, 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 not realizing that it's prolonging the damage and it's actually a nervous system issue, right? So IBS, they've done the studies that like, we all get irritations to food. That is a normal human response. We eat food, you are turning food to fuel. It's a lot of work. So, so we all have the same thing and we give off the same gases and we do the things like people that eat like normal FODMAP, high FODMAP foods, right? Like we all still get the bloat. It's just because us with IBS, we're more sensitive. So we feel it because of our nervous system, because of our little nerve endings that are around our gut lining are a little bit more sensitive. And it goes up this thing called the gut brain axis. And it sets off these alarm bells in our brain that like, ow, this hurts. And that response to our brain that goes, ow, this hurts, sends it back down to our gut. And it's either we're slow motility, which is constipation, or we're like pooping 18 times a day and not knowing what's going on, trapped in a bathroom. Like it's different styles and that's the way it works. Or sometimes it's mixed, but it's not a food issue. It's not a food issue. It is, it's the fact that your body can't take in those foods. But the question to ask is why? Not let me cut out these foods and fear it for the rest of my life and never eat this again, because you're just going to become more and more sensitive to different foods, which you're probably listening to this being like, yes, like it started with dairy and now all of a sudden I'm at lectins and nightshades where I didn't even know those even existed like five days ago. Like we go on this whole journey and it's like, 
because you're not addressing the root issue, which is your metabolism, which is your gut-brain connection. That's how we heal it. You said low FODMAP. Is that the term? Okay. So you said that a few times. What exactly is that diet? Oh my goodness. I'm not even going to pretend that I even know how to say it. It's like all the saccharides. It's a bunch of (laughs) different types of foods that have indigestible fibers that will set off alarm bells in your your belly. So you can think like garlic, onions, high levels of apples, high levels of these foods. Obviously you eat these. Any natural human, they're harder to break down. Your body is going to be like, wow, I'm bloated now. Like that's just it. Like that's just the way it works. It is these indigestible fibers and higher sugar things that like your body just can't assimilate. And the only way to break it down is through the uh, bacteria in your gut. So you have to have healthy gut bacteria to digest these fibers. But if you don't have that and it's already in balance, your body's going to be like, "Mm, no. And so they try, they try and tell you to go on this diet because it is harder to digest. So I get it, but they also don't explain the thing that like, you're only supposed to be on it for maybe six weeks. It's supposed to be guided. I never put my clients on it because again, it's not a food issue. Like it's just kind of common sense. Like don't eat a whole bag of Brussels sprouts. You're going to be farting a lot that's common sense, right? Like it's, it's one of those things, but it's not to say Brussels sprouts are bad. It's why is your metabolism slowing down a little bit? How do we get this back up? And so when it comes to FODMAPs, it's like, it's a huge thing like on the internet nowadays. Like it's just, it breaks my heart because people, I like get on phone calls with people and they're like, oh yeah, I've been on, like, this is how I've been eating for the last 25 years. And I'm like, that was supposed to be six weeks. Like, and it perpetuates because it's a very, very restrictive diet like there are because if you eat eat, eat, like you can be allowed to have applesauce but you can't have too much of the applesauce because then it turns into a FODMAP food so you can basically only have a tablespoon of it so it gets really confusing or like when you combine say like oats and applesauce it then can can create these things and it's like what like that's not even normal eating and then you get so stressed out about it you don't realize that the stress you have is actually the root of the digestive issues and what's continuing these flare-ups, not the FODMAP food. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And like, it's crazy to think that, like you're saying, like, it's just so common now because I feel like you can find this shit like all over the internet and everyone kind of says like, oh, I'm an expert. I know this. I know that. Diet, diet, diet. Like food and diets is always like the answer to everything. I feel like that's what everybody jumps to, but I feel like that's such a terrible thing to be putting out into the world because- that's so triggering for so many people and it gets addictive and it gets like you keep it to a schedule and you keep it very restrictive and that's no way to live. Exactly. It becomes a thing that takes over your mind, right? Like if you really go back to it, right? Like we've been eating this way since we were young and it has to do. And so we just keep giving it different names. And then all of a sudden, you know, most women I work with, it's because they've had eating disorders and then now they have IBS and it's like, well, you've never had a healthy relationship with food. And usually it's because we're trying to find our sense of belonging. And so if we're either the really picky eater, that's our identity. If we're really the fitness person, that's our identity. If we're the person with the IBS, that's our identity. And we don't want to let go of that because we don't know. So our one place that we belong is with food because we don't actually know where else we belong. Right. And so, and so we keep ourselves, it's a business. It has been a business since either one of us were alive. Like this is the way it works. It helps to make us stay in the system. And it's not, honestly, I'm not anti-diet because any one of us that's been on a diet, it has taught us how to eat 
and nourish ourselves. We don't just go willy-nilly like to Chick-fil-A every day for five days. Like we don't do that, you know, like we've learned nutrition. It's just when it becomes our identity and it becomes something we stick with and it becomes this thing that if, if I don't stay on it, I'm bad. And if I stay on it, I'm, I'm worthy. And you know, it's, it's these two conflicts that we get stuck inside of. And it's like, no, please stop doing that. Like it's, it's way too triggering. We have to be able to self-regulate ourselves and realize like, if this is quote unquote healthy, but I can't go out to eat. You know, I, I'm that person at the restaurant that like I either bring my own food or I have 8,000 questions or, you know, I make everyone around me super anxious or you show up to a party and they're like, oh, sorry, we don't actually have anything for you. I totally forgot. Like if these things keep happening to you, it's time to really look at your relationship with food because it, you know, I eat super healthy. I, I eat the way I eat, but like now that I've moved back to America, like no one knows any of that stuff, right? Like my friends now that are in Bangkok and then like, look at my life now, they're like, that's very different. Like no, none of my friends have food anxiety. They're not worried about what I'm eating, making sure it's healthy or not, like all these kind of things. And so we really have to look at like, what is our surrounding environment? How is it impacting us? And how do we set ourselves free? Cause then that quote unquote diet is very healthy. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. Since we're on the topic of setting ourselves free, how do we work to heal ourselves from IBS and from all of these gut to health issues, gut to mind issues? <laughs> gut brain issues, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I walk my clients through a method called the FREE method, F-R-E-E, the acronym FREE, not the word FREE. Um, but F being the foundations. One, understand where you're at and understand what you're doing every day, the impact, why you're at, where you're at. You know, we avoid responsibility a lot in our life. Like we will spend our whole lives avoiding that. We want to point our finger at everyone. It's the doctor's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my sister's fault. It's that mean girl in high school's fault. Like we want to blame everyone. And it's not to say you're at fault, but you're responsible for how you're showing up to this. So if you keep thinking everyone else is going to fix you, it's not going to work. You know, I, I can't fix your health. I can give you the information, but I can't come to your house and make you do it. Like that is entirely up to you. And so I always walk my clients through this, say it's IBS, right? Let's talk nutrition. So for a week, what are you eating? How are you eating? How are you feeling about what you're eating? In what environment are you eating? Um, how's your level of stress that day? How much water did you eat? Like what kinds of foods? You know, we're so caught up on calories and like the macros of like carbs, fat, protein, but like, you know, or what's your fiber? What's your mix? Is it soluble, insoluble fiber? How's that going? Like, and it sounds like work because it is, you know, like we have to do this in everything. We do it in our businesses. We do it in our finances. We should, at least we should, we should be doing it in our relationships. We should be auditing. For me, it's like once every quarter I do this, but like, at least once in our lifetime, like, what are you doing beyond just like, I had a potato here. I had one grain of oatmeal here. I ate a jar of peanut butter here, like beyond this, but like, what is this feeling? What's the emotion? What was your daily doings beyond that for one week, including weekends? Because then you're able to take this. And I'm sure by then you're gonna be like, oh yeah, like that's my that's my loose shoelace right here. Like, that's why I keep tripping over myself. Let me Let me adjust that a little bit. Or you're going to be like, I still don't see it. And you at least can come to someone like me, or you can go to your GI specialist, whomever it is, and be like, this is what I'm doing. Give me 
advice because otherwise I can guarantee you all they're going to do is run the same test they run for everyone that comes to you and they're going to tell you to go on a low FODMAP diet and either take Imodium or some type of laxative and try and put you on an SSRI, which is for your brain. Like this is just the way it's going to do because they have like seven minutes, eight minutes, 12 minutes, whatever with you. They don't have the time to sit and dive into your health history, your relationship history, your relationship with food. Like they're doing the best they can with the tools that they're given. You have to do your end to make the most of, I mean, I meet with my clients for either 30 minutes or an hour, but like make the most of it. If you can only go to your GI, like you have seven minutes, come with the right questions because you did that work for the week leading up to it. And that's how we get started because at the end of the day, and I know that was long-winded, but it's like a huge thing of taking personal responsibility in your healing. Like I can't tell you the most perfect foods to eat because that's going to be different for everyone. But I mean, there's some foods and things, but like from there, you're able to look at, okay, so maybe it is my nervous system at the end. Then we can start repairing your metabolism because really that's the root of every health issue in this world is our metabolisms are slowing and our body temperatures are decreasing. And now that's infections are on the rise. And so we start building it from there but we know what you're doing every day and what little minor tweaks we have to make from there. It's not like an overhaul 21 day elimination diet kind of vibe. Sorry, that was really long winded, but like, no, I think it's important. (laughs) Yeah. We need to be like getting like actual information. I really like how you made it a point to say like when you are taking into account everything that you're doing for that week, you're eating everything, but you're also saying like your stress and how you're feeling. Cause that's something that really plays a big part in it too. It's like our stress, our emotions, what's going on in our life around us. It's not just about food. And I feel like that's what I was always told when I was younger. It's just food, 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 food. And then that got me like terrified of like all sorts of foods around me. And like, I felt like I couldn't trust any sort of food because that's all that I thought until like one day my sister was like, dude, you are so stressed out. No wonder why you're shitting so much. Like there's other things like, no, that's not it. That has nothing to do with it at all. It's just the food that I'm eating. Like exactly. It just makes so much sense when someone like actually sits down and explains that to you. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like to even go further on that, like we can dive into like why you being stressed was having you poop all the time right? Like that's because of like the gut brain connection. Yes. Break that down for us. Yeah, sure. So our gut and our brain are in constant communication with each other. So probably you've heard it called like our second brain and all this kind of stuff. And so we have this vagus nerve, which is our longest cranial nerve. It goes from our brainstem to our digestion. And it gives off these things called action potentials where like our survival organs are controlled. So we don't have to tell our lungs to breathe, our food to digest, our heart to beat, our brain to pump our blood to flow like it just awesomely does that on its own separate from the central nervous system which is like our like things our movement stuff um and so when we are stuck in fight or flight our vagus nerve stops working so if we're in chronic states of stress our vagus nerve stops working and it stops fighting inflammation and so we need that because anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff is neuroinflammation. And then also in our gut, we need to be able to break down foods. And if our vagus nerve isn't communicating properly with our brain, because they're in constant, it's a bi-directional communication. So our brain's always communicating with our gut and our gut's always communicating with our brain. Actually, the connection from our gut to our brain is actually stronger. So the thing, the messages from our brain to our, or from our gut to our brain is actually stronger. Um, so what we're eating, how we're feeling, this is why we feel butterflies in our bellies first. We don't like feel our heart beating at first. We feel our bellies being like, something's not right here. And then we feel the heart palpitations. We're like, something's definitely not right here. And we keep going on that thing, but we often feel it, the nausea, the heartburn, like we feel it in our guts first. And this is like 
when that's happening is our body then also, so we have this like gut permeability around our gut. So it kind of flexes like a nylon. It can take foods in and out, digested foods. But when the vagus nerve isn't functioning properly, the permeability gets like halted and holes get to come in and like these pores come in and this is how foods start to break through. And then the alarm bells start to go off in our body because that food's not supposed to be there. Okay. And so this is why when anxiety and all these kind of things, our body's like, oh no, like alert, alert, stop digesting food, pump the blood to my muscles, to my heart, to my lungs, because there's an intruder and I need to book it out of here. And during these times, I don't need to be pooping or I need to get everything out of my body so that I can run away quickly. And I don't need to be producing children. This is why like our sexual responses and hormones and things also get shut down in the process. And so our body can't do both at the same time. That's why like often the phrase is like, you can either fight or flight or you can rest and digest. You can't do both because you can't. We need our blood flow to be this whole like fluid motion. Yes, some stress is good. We need it. But if our vagus nerve is just trapped and can't function properly and the communication is off between our gut and our brain, we're not digesting our food and the alarm bells are going off in our brain. So we're stuck with anxiety and we're stuck with food sensitivities and we're chasing these things in our lives very separately when they are 1000% linked together. And so we have to be looking at them and it's like, okay, so for you, right? Like you're saying like anxiety, yeah, anxiety and diarrhea and cramping hand in hand. Because when we're anxious, our body's like, huh, and freaks out and it's like, get out of my body, like I don't need it. And then for me, I'm, or I was IBSC. So I had depression. And so that is like, oh no, like famine is basically occurring and everything in our body kind of slows down a little bit more. So the motility in my gut also slowed down. So it wasn't like scrunching and crunching to get the poop and the whatever out of my body. Cause it was like, oh, something's happening. We got to hold on to it. And we're too stressed out in the gut and we're too stressed out in the brain. So we're going to hold and stop moving. And so I was never pooping. And so it's these two things always go hand in hand in my practice. So is all of that why like nervous poop happens? Like before, like yes. you just get any sort of nervous, you just like shit your brains out for like yeah. ever. Yeah. That's like anyone can think of it. Think of the time you were super nervous. What happened? Shit. You know, people <laughs> poop or people throw up. Yeah. I feel like sometimes I do both too. And it's just like yeah. a wild time. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be that extreme. You could just get bloated or you could get like burpee, right? Like you don't like for me, like I don't necessarily like poop my pants anymore, but like when I'm anxious, I'm like, oh, we're wearing a maxi dress today. Like, just like, we already know what's going to happen. Like, and just kind of playing with it. Cause it's not like it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't go away. You know, like our bodies, just because we heal our nervous system and continue, cause it's a perpetual journey. It's not like you heal it one day and then you're like, whoa, back to being and living in my trauma. Like, that's not how that works. It's like a continuous journey, but like, I still get nervous. I still get anxious. I just dress differently. I eat differently and I start my day differently when those things happen, you know, and yeah. my body doesn't send me into a trauma response anymore and put me into fight or flight. It's just like, woman, we did not sleep last night. <laughs> Learn your lesson, put the phone away, go to bed. Now you're going to deal with it because you're going to be bloated today and you're going to be craving a whole bunch of carbs. Let's go. Like it, it's different when we learn how our body is functioning and it's not because we're stuck in a chronic state. It's different. Like we are desperate for answers, but then we get to like a certain stage where it's just like straight cruising and you're like, yeah, okay. Like every day is not going to be perfect, but 80 out of whatever, we're pretty good. You know what I mean? That is so crazy that like, I didn't know like any <laughs> of this, but like it all makes so much sense. 
I think about like when we had like health class and things in high school, like we learned about other functions of our body, but like, why did we never talk about like our digestive part of our body? And why did we never talk about gut to mind connection? Like, why wasn't any of this ever talked about? Because we all definitely struggle with this in some sort of way. And I feel like a lot of us have no idea why, like me, but this should be something that like we get to learn about while we're in school or at some point in our life. And like, no one makes it a point to really teach us about that unless if we go out of our way to ask about it. Oh, 100%. And I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was in school, the furthest thing I had was like home ec. And it was like, learn how to burn a cake. And I was like, great, thanks. Um, but even then, like it was like the... F- even nutritionists, like they get it wrong. I just had a friend call me and she's like, my nutritionist gave me a food sensitivity kit. And I go, please ask her how she is testing food sensitivities through blood. Like that scientific, like that doesn't make sense. Please stop doing these things. Um, Or doctors, like I have cardiologist friends, I have endocrinologist friends, I have things like that, where it's like, they know nothing. They've taken like maybe a course on it. And they're like, yeah, we were just told to give low FODMAP because it would like stop them from coming to the, like, it was the only solution. And like, if they were worrying about food, then they didn't have to come back to us. And I was like, that's freaking great for you guys. Thank you for giving me a job. Goodbye. Like, it's one of these things that it's like, we're just not taught it. It's such a new science. Like really, it's only started to get sexy. I would say in the last like five years, maybe, but like, it's only been around, I want to say like 30 years. I mean, I know the father of modern medicine has said it, but like, it's not, it's not this thing that even, you know, anyone really talks about. When you go to the doctor and you're talking about how you're a little bit depressed, they're not like, oh, what are you eating every day? And they're like, okay, here's the medication. Here you go. Like, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's not a conversation that we're having yet. I do think it's going to be the future, though, which I'm yeah. excited about. Yeah, I hope so, because I... I just wish that these things were like talked about like right away. Like we talk about like kids pooping and stuff, like when they're young Mm -hmm. and then like once you turn like five, like you're no longer allowed to talk about that anymore. Like it's just like so weird and how it becomes like this super quote unquote embarrassing thing or taboo topic that we're not supposed to share. But like something could be seriously wrong. And since we're not having conversations about it, no one's going to know. I just wish that like no one really needs to know my poop schedule and things like all the time, but like that we could just have open conversations about it with people and not have it be like such like a big, like, oh my gosh, you're talking about that in public type of deal. Oh my God. You should see it when I used to go to networking events. Like it was like, they're like, what do you do for work? And I'm like, sorry, every time, every time, honestly, this happens at least three times a day. Sorry. Like in my DMs, in my Facebook group, in my master classes. sorry if this is TMI. And I'm like, guys, my job is literally poop. Like there's no such thing as TMI. Like the whole point of me talking about this stuff is to neutralize this conversation. Like I'm just here to be like, yes, like let's make it a thing. And then every time I'd go to networking events, they're like the poop girl. And I'm like, you guys were just waiting for this conversation where, cause obviously it's like very masculine in these networking events. And they're like, we've been, this is how it happens. Like I'm fascinated by this. What about fecal transplant? This is my poop schedule. Is that enough? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> here for it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Like, as soon as you reached out to me, I was like, I feel like this is a match made in heaven. Like, two people who genuinely enjoy talking about this. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, it was just meant to be. I love it. So do you have any other tips for anybody struggling with their gut health or gut to mind connection or anything like that? Taking responsibility is the biggest thing, right? We are often searching for a quick fix. And give yourself permission for that to be okay if that's what you've been doing. 
because we have all done it because we don't know better. But our personal responsibility is now that we know better, we have to do better. So whomever is listening to this podcast, you now know better. Go do better. You know, it's not to say you're going to like overhaul everything you're doing and all of a sudden do these like metabolic makeovers of this gut brain thing. But it's like, okay, so maybe I'll take like five, four deep belly breaths before I eat or like I'll go for a walk or I'll start paying, like just pay attention to your life. Don't be so reactive in it build up responses to things that you know that are going to trigger you and cause these responses. Like we have to sit as humans, we just have to start taking radical responsibility because that is how everything changes, you know, and and this just, it goes so much more than just not having food sensitivities. It's like the cool thing about the work that I do is I watch these women create freaking magic because now they're not afraid of food and they're not afraid of these things and claimed the picky eaters and being afraid of food and things like that. It's because they've taken one step of taking responsibility of their life and the whole world follows. So whomever is listening like today, it's, it's awesome because you're curious about things and that's the way we have to live our lives is staying curious and being teachable. Like that's just the way things change. Wow. That's really inspiring advice. <laughs> I love to hear that. And it's just, it feels really great to hear things like that because I feel like so often when people have conversations about mental health or IBS, whatever, like they don't always come out with great advice at the end of the day like that and these great ends of the story. So I think that it's really awesome what you're doing and the work that you share and the testimonials that you share. Like it's freaking awesome. And I really applaud you for the work that you're doing because that shit's not easy and you're out here <laughs> doing it every damn day. Pun intended. Literally. <laughs> So thank you so much for being a guest. I absolutely loved having you. This was a match made in heaven, my dream podcast to talk about poop with someone else. To make sure that you follow Laura on Instagram at healing to happy and visit her website, healingtohappy.com. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Girls Room. Don't forget to subscribe, leave me a review, and follow me on Instagram at thegirlsroom underscore pod. See you next week for an all new episode.